Candace Parker is along with us tonight. And moments ago, Kristen Ledlow. Parker, what a look inside. Kristen Ledlow is on our sideline with the terrific Candace Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. Candace, long before this podcast premiered last October, we had countless conversations about what we wanted it to be. There was no way then that we could have known what the season ahead would look like, but we knew from the start, from our very first conversation, we wanted this to be bigger than basketball. The rare gift in this culture we've created is to be given a platform that reaches a number of people. And we wanna have a conversation here. We're recognizing we may not get it all right. I know that I certainly don't often, but I'm listening and learning. And I want to start, Candice, with just how you've been since the last time that we talked with the microphones on uh, and what these days have been like for you. These last couple days and this last week has been just a lot of reflection. I think people are still trying to deal with what has happened and the conversations that are going to have to happen and the action that's going to have to take place, but also just uncomfortable phone calls and conversations that were needed to be had. You know, honestly, awkwardness, because I think to some extent, people don't know how to deal with what just happened, even on a day-to-day, daily basis. So honestly, if I'm being completely transparent, there's been a lot of Zooms where I've been maybe one of the only African-Americans in the room, and it's been like, the conversation doesn't know how to continue. I mean, there's nothing to be said. There's no words that we can say to make this better or to fix it, but it's just about bringing it to everybody's attention. And I think through social media, to an extent, people have done their part in at least putting out content. As much as you want to or are willing to share, what have some of those conversations been like with your own daughter? It's interesting. I've had a lot of reflection. You know, growing up, my childhood was a little bit different than hers. And I think the first time that her and I really had to sit down and talk about racism, I'm glad it came before this. And it happened to be a project that she had to do. It was a fourth grade heritage passport project. And everybody was supposed to figure out where their family, what country they came to America from, and do a whole passport. So the food of the country, the flag, the everything. And Layla came home and was like, okay, so what country are we from? And I think at that moment, it's kind of one of those things where you know that there's going to be innocence lost within this conversation. And Layla's an amazing kid and she's so positive and takes things in the best of ways. And her teacher is African-American. So this was in no way, you know, singling her out. She's in a diverse group. And this is a project that, you know, most fourth graders have to do, but that was the conversation we had to have. And so with this one, I was explaining to her as we were driving home, we were driving through Beverly Hills and all the windows were boarded up in the stores and there were protesters. And she looked at me and was like, what's going on? And I said, well, you know, there was an African-American man and he was murdered by police. And that's what happened. And that's what people are protesting right now. And she said, you're talking about the jogger. We already talked about that. And I said, no, baby, it's been another one. She said, again? And then we just had to have that conversation. And I think the biggest thing is we have to change this for these kids. And we can't have them have the same upbringing that we've had with race and previous and previous generations because they're still innocent and they still want to see the world for that and its purity. We... I know desperately need hope, but in the conversations you and I have had all week long, I think I've hesitated to express hope because my physical safety isn't at stake if I'm wrong, (laughs) but is there anything about this time that feels different to you? Because to me, it does seem like fire is catching, like there's no longer an option to look away. I'm huge into reading, as you know, uh, Kristen, and before all of this, you know, I've been in reading into World War II and reading about the civil rights movement and a lot of things stuck out. I just recently finished uh, an Emmett Till book and it talks about how that kind of sparked the civil rights movement and how people taking a stand and maybe not necessarily doing things in a peaceful way all the time, 
to get attention. Same thing with even if you go back to Stonewall riots and the gay civil rights movement, you talk about how tragedy had to happen. And I do think that in some ways this can be used to propel people forward because I think a lot of people didn't know. And now not knowing is not an option. Like, you know, you're aware of things. And in the world of access and the world of the internet and the, the world of answers being at your fingertips, you can figure it out. I've been struck over and over by this quote that I've seen posted all week long and in the weeks leading up to this one by Ben Franklin that justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. And I think my own hope has stemmed from seeing my own non-black friends, whether white or other people of color, speaking up in droves. People who may not have publicly spoken for others before, because time and time again, this history of humanity continues to repeat itself. And I don't want to be among those any longer who have to be begged to listen. We can't forget Again, in the culture we've created, it's a 24-hour news cycle, and then we've moved on. I mean, think, even today, how has our conversation shifted? It will immediately shift to perhaps the NBA and the WNBA's return. We can't forget. And I've learned so much this week about when to listen and when to speak up, and that loving others well means a willingness to pick up a burden that may not innately be mine and instead naming it ours. Because if it is yours and I love you, it is mine as well. I do agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. It does take other people, other voices. Kristen, we've shared this a number of times. I can go up there and scream until I'm blue in the face that women need voices and women can bring different viewpoints to the conversation. But there's nothing as valuable as Kobe Bryant on our podcast coming on here and telling us how important it is for the entire sports world to hear our voices and to understand our perspective and to have diversity within the sports culture. I mean, he can say a sentence and that changed the way that people view us. And I think the same thing goes for we're seeing with race, whether white people want to admit it or acknowledge it or accept it, it does mean more. It does mean more. LeBron, Chris Paul have written numerous articles about racial inequality. Kyle Korver, he wrote one. The impact that that was felt across the league. So whether we like it or not, whether we want to speak about it or not, it is important for others that aren't directly affected by this to understand that this is a human. And this was the thing that bothered, like, this is not my problem. You know, when people are like, how are you? What? No, this is, we're going to fix this. This is our problem. And that's the thing about racism. This is a system. We're not going to change this. We've talked about this a number of times. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And those that are signed up for running 100 or 200 right now are going to fail. They're going to burn out real quickly. As we found out in 2017, people kneeled. But slowly, one by one, everybody got up and we forgot about it. And now the San Francisco 49ers are coming out and supporting criminal justice, which I digress. But at the same time, it's like sometimes you have to reevaluate things and put the plan to action. I know I've been all over the place, Kristen, but golly. That's what this is for, for you and I to have this conversation, even when there's no pretty bow to put on it yet, to continue to propel the conversation forward, even when there's no real pretty way to wrap it up yet. No. I'm also learning a lot about the difference in being non-racist and being anti-racist, that it's not enough to have this non-racist worldview if you're not willing to speak up when you're called on in issues of inequality. And now every single one of us has been called on. I think every single one of us has been called on. And my biggest thing, I'm one of those that's like, okay, there's a problem, but when you bring a problem to the table, let's bring a solution. Yeah. And I think we both agree we're going to have to have some sort of action plan throughout all of this. There's got to be some, something in place so that we can improve it, an action to take, a step to take, something that we can do and be a part of. But with all that, individually, educate yourself. There's no excuse. I got on Amazon yesterday and bought several books that I saw on social media that could help with this conversation. And just so that we can understand perspective, these tough conversations that I've had to have with my daughter. 
I was speaking, I have a diverse set of friends, as you know, um, <laughs> as, as do you. And it was one of my white friends. And she was talking about that it was going to be hard to have this race conversation with her daughter because she's only eight and she's only nine. And I just don't think that she's ready for it. But I had to have those conversations with my parents when I was young. And I have to have those. I don't have a choice to not have those conversations with Layla. So go buy books. I have a list of movies, The Hate You Give. You can watch Self Made, Little Leaders by Vishti Harrison. Bad girls throughout history. Let's not leave this to just race. Let's improve all aspects of life. Let's write diversity of thought. Yes, in every arena. Inclusion, equality, all that. It's about perspective. We have a guest here with us today that I think could not be a more perfect one for the conversation we're having surrounding basketball and certainly off the court as well. Mecca Ogumake, next. WNBA All-Star, League MVP, and WNBA Champion. NECA will be the woman version of Magic Johnson and LeBron James. For me to look back and understand how much I've grown in my intellect and also affect change, I feel like I found my legacy. It's kind of cool. Kristen, I'm really excited for our next guest. Obviously, I can list 2016 MVP, 2016 WNBA Champion. Um, yeah, I was a part of that and had a great time. Stanford alum, as she, you know, so proudly represents. A chef on the side, but first and foremost, my friend, my teammate, Neka Agumake. Thank you, Neka, for joining us. I know you're super busy uh, being the president, the prez of the WNBA Players Association. Thanks for having me, CP. No problem. Thanks for joining us. Neka, though, Candace mentions, I mean, you have such a responsibility, such a weight during these days as the league is navigating how to return, when to return, what it'll look like when it does. What have some of these days looked like for you? What are some of those conversations like? I mean, to be honest, it feels like the CBA all over again. After going through that for like a year and a half, I didn't anticipate having to do that again for a few years. But hey, it comes with the job and the territory. To be honest, I feel like everybody's kind of like, on red alert with you know communication and trying to figure out what we're doing um but even more so now because uh, there's so much going on that we're dealing with as a country uh, that kind of shed some light on both the importance and also kind of the trivialness of sports so we're doing a lot to try and um, balance all of that Neka, before we get into everything that's going on in the world, I would like to have you talk about, I mean, obviously the questions I'm asking, I kind of know the answers to, but I know that you are first-generation American, your parents are Nigerian, you're the oldest of four girls, and I've seen you in action in terms of older sister Neck, nurturing Neck, president Neck, captain Neck, your upbringing, how has that added to your life and the way that you lead and also the way that you're nurtured. You know, this is something that I've realized that I've had to talk about a little bit more as I get older. You know, it didn't occur to me until I became a professional how important it was for me to celebrate where I came from because of the league that I play in. And my upbringing, as you said, I'm Nigerian American. I got the best of both worlds. And with Nigerian immigrant parents, you know, excellence is the only option. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I grew up with nothing less than A's, you know, being multifaceted, being able to play a sport, be in a club, play an instrument. That was just standard. We didn't celebrate when I graduated high school. College was a bit of a celebration because of where we graduated from. But yeah, that's kind of just how it's always been, you know, be determined, do your best and lead. Don't be a follower. And so I find that I almost feel as though like my upbringing almost found me again in my professional life. And now I am in the WNBA, nine years, Prez, champion, of which I expect to add more championships. So uh, we're going to try. That's a part of the excellence. Some of these conversations that I would imagine have been difficult ones. We don't want to make it any more difficult, this one right now, but 
you already so regularly have these conversations about gender equality because of your profession. You have it about racial injustice. How have you conducted some of those conversations in the last few days, in the last few months, and even in these last couple of years? Um, to me, to be honest, I think that having the conversation when it comes to anyone starts with listening. And so I've learned that listening is much more important than kind of speaking in a lot of ways, at least starting off. But when you do understand that you know, you have to hear what other people are saying and truly kind of bring yourself down to their position. I don't even want to say down, but just put yourself in their shoes. Then you can figure out how you can communicate better to the world based on your own experience and what you're learning. And that's kind of what a lot of these conversations have been, especially like when we started negotiating the CBA. I did a lot of listening and it was eye-opening for me because players that came to me with issues, Candace obviously being a very um, wonderful spokesperson for things that truly affect women in sports. There were things that that didn't occur to me that were happening because they weren't happening to me, you know? And so we find ourselves in a situation like that again, where you have to hear what people are going through to truly understand how to create actionable items. And so that's, that's really what we're doing right now, especially um, in the midst of whatever this season is going to look like. We can't disagree and move on. We have to hear each other, um, understand what our common ground is, and move forward together in that way with that understanding. Not necessarily agreement, but an understanding. We always share topics of discussion. We always share literature. We always share podcasts. I love the thing about you that you're constantly learning. I know you graduated from Stanford, but you continue to have that thirst for knowledge and that thirst for understanding. I would like to rewind back to 2017 when there were issues that came about with social injustice. And this was during the time of kneeling. This was Kaepernick and it was the protests and people were against it for it. And the WNBA finds themselves in this position of trying to decide what is our course of action. We understand that the game of basketball in the big scheme of things means very little. That social justice definitely prevails in terms of meaning and impact. In the 2017 season in the WNBA Game 1 Finals in Minnesota, we decided to not go out for the national anthem. Can you kind of take us back to that experience and how the WNBA has found itself time and time again on the front of change? I'm going to have to quote you on this, and it didn't really occur to me until you had said it some years back, and like you reiterate this all the time about how we are the majority majority of the minority. You know, like we are inherently representing a marginalized group just by our existence. And um, I realized that having the platform that we had that year, it was so monumental, you know, and... I spoke about how that moment in game one of 2017 was probably one of my most memorable moments as a player because, and I mean, I wish anyone could have been a fly on the wall in our locker room before that had happened. I mean, it was literally just the players and then the coaches and we were sitting there literally before we had to run out trying to decide, are we going out? What do people think? Like, how do you guys feel? We had players, of color that were just like, I have, I have family that have been in the police, but I still like, I feel like I have to be in this locker room. We had, we had um, players that were non-black that were like, whatever you guys do, we're going to do, you know? And then we had all of the media outside of our locker room trying to figure out what we were going to do because they had to report it before it happened. And not, not to interrupt, but we had, we had players from international countries yeah. that didn't understand what was going on. America. Yeah. Like you didn't understand what was going on. Right. In those moments where there were so many unique people in the room, people of different walks of life, we still came to a decision together. I think that's what the most important thing was. No matter what it was, we did it together. And I think we even sat out of the locker room in game two as well. And it was just, for me, at that point, I realized, I was like, man, this game means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but it also means everything because we can use that platform that we have to do something that speaks volumes. And I'll never forget that bo the booing that we got when we ran out was louder than 
the crowd in game five, 2016, in my opinion. Like, to be honest, I didn't even expect to get booed when we ran out. I really thought that that was the craziest thing ever. I had never been booed like that in my life, but I was so very proud of what we did when we were in the locker room, when we ran out. It just was such a moment of solidarity that it's that I kind of use as like my guiding post for what I can do to like instill change with whatever platform that I have. Just days ago, your sister, Chanae, said, I think the reason why you see athletes leading the charge when it comes to social change is because at the root of it all, it's in our DNA. We are team players. We are wired to care for the last player on the bench as much as we care about ourselves. We've been athletes almost our entire lives. We cannot turn this on or off. Why do you think that time and time again, even what we're watching all week long, we see athletes at the forefront of standing for and fighting for what they believe is right, despite potential repercussions. Is what we're made of. You know, I think that we have that fighting attitude, but then we also, our world is not homogeneous. Like there's, there's no two things that are the same in what we do, whether we're on the court or off the court, whether we're here or in Russia, you know, there's no, there's no experience that you can say is the standard experience with the exception of us being on a team and playing for each other and playing to win. And that's why I feel as though we have a duty to use our platforms in whatever way we can. Now that's gonna look different for different people, but I do feel as though that you would be doing a lot of your community and a lot of people that support you a disservice if you didn't show what you're made of more than what you show on the court. A lot of the experience that I've had and a lot of the viewpoints that I have are a result of the travel abroad, of having teammates that come from different backgrounds, different races, different sexual orientation. The list goes on, different religions. What can you say to people that are surrounded in a community of like-minded people? There's no choice right now. Like you can educate yourself if you want to educate yourself. And NECA is constantly sending me things, podcasts and books. So what are some of those things that you would encourage people to take or steps that they can take to, to better themselves? To be honest, you know, I feel as though when it comes to like kind of personal realization or personal growth in a way that, you know, enlightens you to things outside of your own experience or what you're surrounding yourself with. There's only so much that outside people can do. You have to realize it on your own to some degree, but accountability is really where it starts. It's where it starts and where it ends. And if you can't ask yourself, why am I doing these things? It's going to be very difficult for you to even find the avenue to educate yourself. Now, I will say this, though. If you can't even bring yourself to ask that type of question, you have to realize that to a degree, what you're choosing is ignorance and that is a choice. You can choose to not want to educate yourself, whether you think it's because of, oh, this person did this, I grew up, someone said this to me some time ago. There's, as long as you're alive, there's still an opportunity. And in these times, I realized too, who I've surrounded myself with, it's really showing right now. Because if you're in a world now where nothing has changed in your direct neighborhood or your direct community, you're doing things very wrong. And I've been able to have such an amazing tribe in people like Candace and my friends, my coaches, and my family to challenge me to be better because they're challenging themselves. And I will have to say, too, um, anyone who's looking to change their outlook, I would say don't be so hard on yourself that you find yourself between a rock and a hard place because you do have to show compassion for yourself before it comes out to other people. And I think that if you're gentle with yourself and you understand that there is, you've never mastered life, then you, you can really go forward in any, in any way. What do you think as you're having these conversations, not only with your own teammates, with your own community, but with the players association and the league itself, there's so much uncertainty on the horizon. What do you think that perhaps basketball could mean in the scope of these days? So this, this has kind of been the question I've been asking myself lately. And it's hard because we represent a lot to a lot of people, but we also have to look out for ourselves. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if we're not okay, 
then basketball is not going to matter, you know? And I find myself in a position of leadership to, to figure out what the players feel. I really think that there's no right or wrong answer, but I do think that we, we can't go anywhere if people aren't expressing how they feel. And once we understand where people stand, each 144 players in the WNBA, if we figure out where they stand, then we can come to some type of common ground. I do believe, though, that we still have influence whether we're, we're dribbling a ball or not. We can very much still provide that solace that people are looking for or that community that people are looking for by simply using our platforms and using our voices for whatever it is that we feel can you know, provide some type of impact. It's interesting, Kristen, because as you know, I kind of say what I think. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and with that has come the opportunity for me as a veteran to see NECA mature and grow into this individual that can kind of better what I'm saying and put it in like a way that I mean. You're, you talked about listening. You talked about, you know, obviously you have to come to grips with yourself first. But also we as athletes are feeling that pressure. It's no longer okay to not say anything. In a world of like social media where it's no longer, like the loudest they have their sound bite, we move on. But it's sometimes you do need a little bit of time for reflection. And obviously we have this platform as athletes. You know, you think about the impact Muhammad Ali has had. You think about the impact that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you think Bill Russell, go down the line. Now it's no choice as an athlete to use your platform for good. So what would you say to those people that don't necessarily know how or don't know where, what to say on social media and things like that? I would just say, find your lane. You know, I feel as though I was kind of talking to Candace about this the other day, you know, when the, especially in, in this digital age, people feel so much pressure to put out content that aligns with a certain brand or that gets certain likes or that isn't controversial, but that's, it's impossible. You know, there's always going to be someone out there that doesn't like what you have to say, but you have to find your lane. And I think that that's where the authenticity comes when what you're putting out there is how you are or the core of who you are, then even if someone opposes it, you, you can at least sleep at night knowing that, that that was me, I own that, whatever, let's move on. Whoever's on board, all right, cool. If you're not, find someone else. You can unfollow me. It's no problem. And don't announce it, by the way. Like, in the last several days, like, all of the unfollow comments I'm getting, you know what? Leaders are going to lead. Followers can unfollow. That's what I'm saying. Like, it really doesn't matter because everything that is putting out there is getting seen by somebody. It's up to you to decide how you want to align. So a lot of these athletes that don't know how to find this platform, I feel as though don't try to mimic anybody. Figure out what's good for you. I'm not necessarily someone that's going to be out in the streets, but I will get you a dozen books and mail it to your house. Like, I'll do that. I'll send you a documentary. I'll send you a podcast. I will have the difficult conversation. And even that is a step outside of the box for me. I'm just learning how to communicate now. And I understand that I have to do something that I've never done to get somewhere that I've never been. And I think that's something that everyone has to understand. You can find your lane, but within that lane, you have to kind of figure out what little else can I do that can truly make a difference and that is stepping outside of myself for the greater good of more than just one person. I asked Candace the same thing to start our conversation before we brought you into it. I wanna ask you this, is there any hope for you that has stemmed in these days as, as you mentioned, it doesn't seem like an option anymore not to speak up and to simply sit on the sidelines and observe? Yeah, I feel like there is hope. Because, I mean, I did self-reflection in these past few days and I realized I wasn't doing enough. And someone might look at me, at Candace, as like, oh my gosh, like she's doing everything so great. Oh, even the people that you feel are prominent leaders are still doing the work. And so I feel like that is the hope that we have. The communications that I'm having individually with players, with our executive committee, with our league, with our union, with other athletes in different sports, that's the hope. And... For us, to be honest, it might be a little bit easier to depict that hope because we live it every day. I become friends with people that I never knew I would become friends with, that I've only played against. And 
because I see that happening in sports, sports is a part of the world. Sports is a microcosm of the world. I truly believe that it's possible because I live it every day, but I also live the other side of things every day. So I do realize as well that nothing is perfect and that there's a still a lot that we need to work on. But ultimately I find hope in the people that I interact with. I try to be, I try to be the greatest that I can be for any person that comes across me. And hopefully that can permeate the change that we want to see. Neka, we've been on numerous Zoom calls with our team, you know. A lot. <laughs> a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of training camp. How's that been? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of virtual <laughs> training camp, but you know. Um, with that being said, a lot has been brought up and both you and I have been a huge voice for equality is equality. It's not your equality. It's not my equality. It's not her equality. Equality is intertwined. It means race. It means gender. It means sexual orientation. It means religion. There are so many movements that have been sparked as a result of civil rights and the need to, to, to have change and tragedy. And I just want you to speak to like the WNBA and its purpose, its message, its representation moving forward because Kristen, we've had this discussion. It means more coming from a white person to say that black lives matter. It means so much more. It means so much for men to step up and say, women need a voice in sports. So how has that transition, obviously the new CBA, everything that going, going into that, but where do you see women fitting into this in the future? That is what I've been saying is the next step. You know, when the oppressed realize their oppression and they voice their oppression, there's only so much they can do because they're not in a position of power to truly transform that change in the way that they want to. Just like you said, it means more for a white person to say Black Lives Matter. Because at the end of the day, that's who has to acknowledge it for anything to change. It means more for men to say women should have equity. Because at the end of the day, what we want is what you guys already have. That allyship, allyship isn't just a repost. I'm tired of that. I mean, I get it. So I'm, I'm on, you know, on Twitter, on Instagram. Like, I love it when these NBA players are like, oh, I'm watching the Sparks play the Ace. Like, okay, that's cool. What are you doing? Which is why, to be very honest, I am still coping with Kobe. Because Kobe was at our games when I was a rookie. That was a serious loss for women. Because not only was he an ally, he was an icon. Gigi was an icon. People have to understand, like, you can't, you can't keep complaining about people yelling about what they deserve if you're, not, if you're not hearing them. And I feel like women right now, in the WNBA, we got 80% black women. You got black and you got women. And then you got women of different sexual orientations. You got women who might be, have different religions. Like you say, Candace, like we, we're the majority of the minority. And so us speaking out is going to hold several groups accountable. And now we ask them to put your money where your mouth is. And I think that's something that I've actually learned from Candace because I didn't realize how important it was for us to express our uniqueness and let those differences show how the change can be made. Because if I don't say what I am, there's someone who might identify with me that doesn't know. And where's the hope for that person? But we can't do that if people who don't, who don't acknowledge us, who have the power to change it, they don't, they don't listen to us. Like they have to listen and act. It gives me so much life, Kristen, because this is NECA and I in the, on the bus. This is NECA and I in the locker room. This is NECA and I when I pick up the phone at like 11 p.m. and I call and I'm like, I'm just so frustrated because this is... <laughs> I'm like, what is it now, Candace? So, yeah, I'm like, okay, I want you to put this in a way of which <laughs> sounds good, but these aren't my intentions. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm like, Candace, go ahead, just say it. It's fine, it's fine. Neka, I feel like we could talk to you for hours, but I have been told that we have to wrap it up so that we do not dominate all of your time as you have a number of things on your schedule right now. Many important conversations that you need to continue to have, and we so just appreciate you taking the time out to have one with us. Thanks for having me. This is an honor, not just because we got two awesome women on here, but... I've been, I came to, let me tell you, CP, I came to this realization, I want to say like a month or two ago, and this is a long time coming. 
someone asked me like, what's your relationship like with Candace? And I was like, you know what? I had an epiphany one night. <laughs> and I was like, this is the first time Candace has had a younger sibling. And this is the first time that I have had an older sibling. That's That's a good one. That is our relationship. You're exactly right. That's crazy. (laughs) That's that's amazing. I like that. Thank you, Nick. I really appreciate you you. joining. Like, seriously, I appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll call you later. Yeah, I know you will. It was unbelievable to have two of my teammates together and to be on a show with two of my favorite teammates, honestly. One significantly more athletic than the other. I just want to point that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that could be true or false. It's all good. But a lot of things in what NECA was talking about really resonated with me. And those are the conversations that have been ongoing. And I know equality is being thrown around so much these days. And obviously our focus is on race as it should be right now. There has to be a change. At the same time, I don't think people see the similarities between certain things. They ask, how could somebody be racist, but then in the same sentence are sexist or discriminate based on how somebody looks or their religion or sexual orientation? I was talking with my brother yesterday and we were talking about the civil rights movement and the 1960s. And I was saying to him that a lot of people look at the hatred that was written on walls in front of water fountains and in front of bathrooms. And they're like, how could those people write those evil things and those evil words? And then you go on Instagram. And Kristen, I think this is the biggest thing. And I'm going to say it so that hopefully somebody takes something from this. Your equality, my equality, her equality, his equality. That's not their equality. It's equality. It's equality intertwined. It's all of those things intertwined. And I actually, like Kermit the Frog, text you immediately. When I went on Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report reposted some of the things that myself and Chine Agumake had said regarding race relations in America. And under the comment section, inevitably, get back in the kitchen, make me a sandwich. Where's the dishwasher? Where's your apron? How do you not see the irony or the similarities between what you're fighting for? And so I just think that with all of this, this can spark different branches of equality. This can spark concern and funding and action towards social justice, but this can also spark a lot of different ways in the way that we communicate with each other, what we say. Because you know, those comments, like those walls can get painted over. Those comments that people are writing in the comment section are going to be pulled out in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of what they said. And do you want to be on the right side of history or on the wrong side of history? And with that being said, I just think it's so important for us to have these conversations and to talk and everybody to, to talk and to contribute, to have a diverse view. I mean, Kristen, we in itself have diverse perspectives as a result of our upbringing, as a result of us being women in sports, as a result of you being white and me being black. How important is that for us to continue these conversations, not just about sports, but real world issues? Before we turned the microphones on even once to record even one of these shows, we said, you know what? We're not going to approach this from a place of, I am woman, hear me roar. And as a woman in sports, I... It's innately within every single thing that we say and do that our position is going to be unique, that our perspective is going to be unique. And I told you this on the phone last night, and I want it to be made public as well, that this conversation in and of itself may be, can be an example to so many who are looking for answers in these days as to how to approach it. I am white, you are black, how do I, what do I, what are the questions that I ask? How do I get involved? How do I care about this, but I don't know what to do. You are black, I am white, what do we, how do I approach you here? It feels like a great privilege, a great gift to get to have not just these conversations with you, because we've had these conversations all week long, but for so many to get to hear it as well. And I think the biggest thing is as a society, we need to talk, but we also need to listen. And we've talked about 
the power of voice and how important it is for us as individuals to first look at ourselves in the mirror and then look at those around us and understand that's not acceptable anymore. We talked about this yesterday. You have to change what you say before you can change how you think. Because if you don't have a filter, as I've learned, it can, your intentions might be mixed up a little bit. And so I think just the way that we speak, sometimes we're saying things that we don't even understand, but they're, they're implanting implicit bias on another, on your child, on your husband, on your wife, on your friend, the things that we say matter. And I think it's so important. We talk about the power of voices. It's not just the oppressed saying it. It's people that aren't involved or not, are not oppressed, recognizing there's a problem and being pissed off. I understand that there is a lot of controversy going on with the looting. Is it ideal? No. Is it right? I don't know. Is it wrong? I don't know. But if you're more pissed off at the fact that buildings are being destroyed than that innocent lives are being lost, you're on the wrong side of history. And I think that's the conversation that has to be had is the fact that that's the reason why there's looting. That's the reason why buildings are being destroyed is because not enough attention is being paid to what the cause is, what's important. I've seen this question asked a lot this week alone. You said we've heard the word equality so many times. Like We say it so often that we can become numb to it. I think the word ally has become one of those same words. Like, well, okay, but what exactly does that mean? You know, what can we do as allies, as friends. I think first and foremost, we admit to the divide. I was listening to a message earlier this week. Ben Stewart, who is the pastor of the Passion City DC campus, said a wound isn't healed by denying its existence. We can't look away any longer. Avoidance cannot be our continued response. And it can start here. It can start in our homes. We can hold our friends. We can hold our families. We can hold ourselves accountable. What you're saying, Candace, is that we continually come back to ourselves, examine our own bias. And that, by the way, when it comes to educating yourself, the information is available. Because even if your American high school failed you in that arena, like mine <laughs> did terribly, there's no excuse. The information is there now. We can educate ourselves and hold each other accountable. We can, as Neca said, you know, look to get involved in each of our lanes. If you're the kind that want to show up and, and yell and fight on the front lines, show up and participate in these peaceful protests. Don't contribute, by the way, allies and friends, to the violence that's overshadowing this message. Don't contribute to that. Blow open the narrow vacuum of perspectives that you're able, again, in this culture we've created, to curate for yourself. If everyone you follow, every friend you have, every bit of media that you digest looks and sounds just like you, how do you expect to gain perspective? Follow others, listen to others, learn from others, follow people like my friend and your competitor and friend, I know, Maya Moore, who have given up their livelihoods to fight against injustice. Listen to those who don't look like you. And start to be confident in the uncomfortable, because I've seen a lot of that this week as well. Like, well, I'm uncomfortable and not yet confident in speaking up. Learn to be confident in the uncomfortable. Systemic racism is what we're trying to break down. And the only way that we can do that is voting, because that's super important, and not just in the presidential election, in the state and the local election. And that's every election. I'm guilty. I haven't voted in every state and local election that I could have. I will admit that. Right, because it can seem easy to say, like, this doesn't affect me as much as that one does, and thus... But it does. These things have been going on. White House administration after White House administration, the change has to start right in our own neighborhoods. The change has to start, and we're talking about police reform, and that's at the state and the local levels. But at the same time, I want to see people portrayed in a different way. I think it's amazing to be athletes and to be entertainers and have cool jobs and do things like that. But, you know, I want to read in the textbooks about Booker T. Washington. I want to read about George Washington Carver. I want to read about Maya Angelou. I want to read about other people other than just Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And I think 
by starting at the foundation, which is our kids, and actually educating them that there has been huge contributions by African Americans, by women, by people of this religion, by people of different sexual orientations. You talk about James Baldwin and what he did for gay civil rights. There've been people that are of color that have had so much impact on this country other than just slavery. And when that gets represented more within the textbooks and not just in February or in March during Women's History Month, then that's when we're going to start seeing the change because you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And honestly, everybody has an implicit bias of what they expect somebody to be and do. And until we do that, then I don't think much is going to change. I was talking just yesterday to Isaiah Thomas. I, I feel like you always have to clarify, but you can't call him old Isaiah Thomas because that's, you know. But you can. The, the Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, not the younger Isaiah Thomas who is still currently playing basketball. But I was talking to Isaiah and we were just bouncing ideas off each other about how to have this conversation that was ultimately going to be on air on NBA TV. And he asked me a couple of questions. He asked did I learn in high school in American history about? And he started naming several different events that he played a pivotal role in or the neighborhood he grew up in experienced. And shamefully, I said, no, I didn't know anything about those riots or this fire or I wasn't told that, I wasn't taught that. That cannot be an excuse because, again, the information is available and we can educate ourselves. But like you said, Candace, if it starts at home and with this generation that we're raising up, they can be taught differently and thus perspectives can shift. And it can start even by asking questions. For those of you who are wondering, well, where do I start? Several years ago, CJ McCollum noticed uh, from top to bottom Within the Portland Trailblazers organization, he wanted to see more women in more positions of power. And so he reached out to me with a very simple text message like, hey, you know, my experience is different than your experience because you're a woman in sports and I'm a man in sports. How do I affect change knowing that I have power in the position that I'm in within this organization? And where does it start? And just because he sent me that text message, he and I go on to have this hours and hours, which turned into just days long conversation back and forth about how to speak up and when to speak up and, and, and how to bring diversity of thought to the table. And it all started with that one text message. Like, hey, I acknowledge my power to affect change in this one arena. And I'm asking you, because your perspective is different than mine, where to start. And it's as simple as that. My brother, Anthony Parkey, works for uh, GM for Lakeland Magic, works for the Orlando Magic in the front office position. And so he has brought to my attention a number of things. And I'll never forget him wearing one time we were talking on FaceTime, uh, women deserve to be in the House and the Senate. And I thought that that was such a cool t-shirt for him to rock and to walk around with. And there's been a number of things that I think individuals or people don't know that they're doing. For instance, one time he was like, you know, the guys and girls, I'm like, and I don't really, we're women or we ladies, but we don't really say girls. You don't call another woman a girl, just like you wouldn't call somebody a boy. And he completely has changed. He's like, I never looked at it that way. I never saw it that way. So I think it's also just calling people and stuff, not to be an asshole or not to, because sometimes people don't know, but to be bold when it comes to accountability and to yes. do so within our own families, as you're mentioning there. Yes. And it's, there's been so many conversations where he's brought my mind to wrap around things that I could never or wouldn't ever understand. But Kristen, here's the thing. We can talk about all this self-reflection. We have to get people to register to vote. That is the major thing that people have given their life for. I just finished reading Jerry Mitchell's A Race Against Time book, and it was basically reopening a lot of the Mississippi uh, civil rights cases, dating back to Medgar Evers. You're, you're talking about the, the Mississippi burning case. All of those people were killed as a result of trying to get people to register to vote or to vote. So we have to understand the power that we have at the local and the state level and how much the oppressor does not want the oppressed to be able to have a ballot and to be able to promote change. 
Candace, I said this to you last night as we were on the phone, but I wanted to say it to those who can hear me. You've given me a great deal of confidence in the uncomfortable as well. Because when I approached this conversation, I told you, I said, you know what, I think that my role here is to ask you questions, it's to be quiet, it's to listen. And instead you said like, your voice here is powerful as well. And until you're willing to speak up as well, this conversation as a whole isn't as powerful. And you told me on the phone, I don't want you just to interview me or to ask me how I'm doing. I want you to bring your voice to the table as well. And I thank you for that because it shifted my perspective as to my power here. Maybe I wouldn't have spoken up at all had it not been for your sake. Hey, not only is it valuable for you to listen, but for you to speak up. And I appreciate you for that. Kristen, you know I value you and I value our friendship and our conversations. And some of that comes with the fact of I leave conversations that were uncomfortable feeling so comfortable. And in saying that, I think a lot of people had to take time to reflect. And some people had to have uncomfortable conversations this week. I do think what I can take from this is that everybody is trying to learn as much as we can about this. I really appreciate you being open to listen, but also to voice because sometimes people aren't necessarily comfortable in voicing, like you just said, the way that you feel. And, but I guarantee we talk about our power of being role models and representing women and representing wherever we come from. There's going to be somebody that's going to speak because you have, or I have, and that's where change starts. I posted on my Instagram a quote because I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he's looked at as one of the best players ever, but we talk about impact. One of the most impactful athletes that there has been from a civil rights, social justice point of view. Talk about Bill Russell, talk about him, Abdul-Jabbar, you talk about Muhammad Ali. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he wrote a piece for the LA Times. And in the piece, he said, Racism in America is like dust in the air. It seems invisible, even if you're choking on it, until you let the sun in. As long as we keep shining that light, we have a chance of cleaning wherever it lands. And that just hit different because this isn't just a problem that has happened. This is a problem that now people are attentive to and they understand a need for action. And I hope that's what we've brought to people's attention today. Yeah, maybe, you know, there's no... There is no bow to put on this yet. It's just continuing the conversation and we'll keep doing it. <laughs>